It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Larry H. Russell. Thank you for downloading another edition of Celtics Beat. Today's episode is being brought to you by our sponsors, the home of online video tutorials, lynda.com and Casper. Casper's mattresses are premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. And to get $50 off any mattress purchase at casper.com, visit casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Okay, let's get rocking and rolling. Larry H. Russell, per usual, and this episode of Celtics Speed is being brought to you by Linda and Casper, lynda.com slash CLNS for a free 10-day trial of online video tutorials. And, of course, Casper, because everyone deserves a great night's sleep, get $50 off your first mattress purchase by entering the promo code Celtics at Casper.com slash Celtics. Today's guest, dial in the Wayback Machine. Been a while since we've had him on. Good God, but most importantly, suggested by another one of our listeners, Scott Souza, longtime Celtics beat reporter for the Metro West Daily News. Want to say it's been close to two years since we've last given Scott the floor. He'll be here in a few to discuss, well, come on, the NBA draft. Can't say how much I thoroughly enjoy the interaction with our listeners, as last week, one of our listeners reached out to me via email and suggested we get Gary Wolfel on the show. Lo and behold, we had a great Great chat with Gary last week, and I appreciate that. Appreciate the kind words. Love the interaction. And yes, I equally appreciate the criticism as well. That much more, actually. It is not all good, trust me. And I wouldn't want that anyways. If you think I would only acknowledge those that send the rah-rah, Celtic Speed is great, great job, LHR, what a great show. No, 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 no. I know we cannot please everybody here, but I strongly value each and every one what they have to say because we would not be broadcasting if it wasn't for those who listen to the show on a weekend and week out basis. And also the guests who are very flexible with their time, like Scott, obviously a weekend where he's probably jammed to the high heavens with work, what with that draft thing and free agency coming up. But let's talk about the draft, the 2015 NBA draft kind of crept up on us. There were very few sparks that were flying in the lead up, I thought, this year. Then came the fire, which was predictable, but were they legitimate wildfires as a result of basketball nature, or were they lit by the typical arsonists just to drum up interest or worse, maybe those whoring themselves out on Twitter for followers? Oh my goodness, the things people will do, huh? It's absolutely shameful. Has gaining Twitter followers replaced money in our materialistic society? Anyways, it's over with. 
The first real relevant day of the NBA offseason has come and gone. Back Thursday night, a lot of people, particularly in Celtics Nation here in the New England area, they're upset. I'd say, unfortunately, hold the phones. As stated, the draft is essentially the first day of an offseason that technically goes all the way until September. But these next few weeks here, this is the big, you know, this is the most important period. There is still a lot of time to get things done, a lot of time to, you know, add shape to this roster. Fans are upset largely because of how they followed this draft. You know, two weeks ago, I crushed Rich Conti on this show for something he said in the Facebook group. So in turn, I have to give him all the credit in the world. So I may as well just read him word for word. Again, facebook.com slash Salvic Speed. And this is a direct quote from which the draft... And fans' reaction to it are funny. People's expectations are set by draft analysis that does not really have any insight into what teams really are thinking. Then when those expectations do not pan out, people are disappointed. End quote. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, first off, the Boston Celtics made it as clear as day of their intentions to move up. As clear as day. Not only was it reported by multiple credible outlets in the days leading up to the draft and, of course, the night itself, but the Celtics actually put it in their official Twitter feed, for God's sakes. Danny Ainge stated multiple times to the press publicly, you know, declaring Boston's intentions. But hello, it takes two to tango. Boston tried to move up reasonably it could not get done at a fair price for the Celtics or maybe for the other side and now they have what they have and we'll see what happens in the coming weeks I mean it's really that simple and who is it that they have well to recap I know you know the names those who listen to the show the educated core of sports fans but I'll grow through them anyways Terry Rozier point guard out of Louisville RJ Hunter sharpshooter out of Georgia State Jordan Mickey defensive minded big out of LSU and Marcus Thornton guard William and Mary obviously the numbers made sense for the Celtics to try and trade up if for no other reason the math on the roster and in the salary situation, that just is not there. A lot of fans wanted the Celtics to move up because they have a feeling that's just where the better players are. And we know that's not always true, but really the Celtics just do not have the room on the roster for four more young players. And considering how aggressive we expect them to be in free agency, every dime is going to count. So it doesn't make sense to have four more young guys on the roster there. And we'll see because... Obviously, Boston does not have to sign their picks right away. That's going to be something to watch for. But can we give it a little bit of time? We know this is a rebuilding project that was originally going to take years. And now with a playoff appearance last year, that just raised expectations for next year. And even back on Thursday night, for that matter, be it for better or for worse. But let's not even have to ask for two to three years here. Let's just give it two to three months, or better yet, two to three weeks, and we'll see how everything unfolds. I know that sounds boring, and I know it's very cliche, and I'm that's just not what I like you know, to use. But it's really the only sort of way to analyze what we've seen because everyone else's analysis is purely based off of their emotions and their expectations that were largely created by an arsonist portion of the media, almost... Not even the media. For some, some, for goodness sake, were mummy's basement keyboard mashers pretending to have voices that should be taken seriously. Goodness gracious, hours before the draft, a Twitter handle, no one even knows, trolled the whole world and said the Celtics had completed a trade with Charlotte to move up in the draft. 
All it took was for a few people to run with it, and lo and behold, everyone else started picking it up, other media outlets, because, quote-unquote, they don't want to have to miss a story, unquote, so they'll run with it, and then that crap holds. That's dangerous in itself, by the way. It means nothing in sports, but I tell you, that's a national security issue for our country. If internet trolls have this kind of power, for that matter, such misinformation that could spread like wildfire over something far more important than sports or trades or rumors, I started to think of some possible rep- repercussions uh, we could have. That's something our government and as its citizens are going to have to address out of necessity for our security. But back to uh, the NBA draft. Right now, we seem to see just in the world of sports, these fabrications, these rumor-mongerers, it got everyone all riled up, altered expectations for the Celtics on Thursday night. Let's be clear. There really is not a set path the sellers are taking back to where everyone wants them to get to. And Thursday was no different. This whole rebuilding phase is not built around pursuing one player or even one type of player for that matter. The whole premium has been based on around building up a talent base and maintaining flexibility to pursue the most advantageous avenues when the time is right. Key phrase, when the time is right. That was not Thursday night. We know the Celtics try. The Celtics have been the most cutting-edge organization in professional sports these last 12 years. So it just wasn't there Thursday night. I put trust in that because this is an organization that's as forthright as anybody. And going into back on Thursday evening, the thought process was not, okay, Boston needs a center. They need to get this player or that player. I know there were portions of fans that wanted certain players, certain aspects for the team, a defensive big, an athletic wing, a sharpshooter, and from a need standpoint, which to me does not matter for the Celtics at this very second right now, but for the people that think that it does, hey, optimistic point of view, two out of three ain't bad in terms of addressing needs, but in all seriousness here, I'm trying to dissect the mindset of the Celtics nation right now, and those outside observers who are putting their thoughts into this, and everywhere you go, all the media outlets, those Highly respected beat guys are all shaping the thought process of how fans look at the current state of the Celtics. In regards to back on the draft night, how much of this negativity coming out of Thursday is solely based around two things? That being, A, the Celtics did not end up trading up when the organization made itself pretty clear that that was their intention, and B, they reached in the minds of the so-called draft experts and fans, they reached for Terry Rozier. Me, I think that it's a lot, especially on the latter there, because the Rosier selection seemed to leave a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths that it was if the Celtics did not do something drastic the rest of the night, which we know they didn't, that no matter what happened after that selection, people were going to be pretty irate even. And at that point, the narrative was already made up. It was already written. Let's talk about Rosier that at the 16th pick there. A lot of people wanted R.J. Hunter there for the Celtics. Obviously, Hunter is someone who has been exposed after his March Madness tournament, and of course, he fills a glaring deficiency on this roster in that he can he can shoot, God forbid. But Boston did not pick him at 16. But hey, they got him at 28. They got him anyways. Now let's play hypothetical here. Let's say the Celtics were unable to move up, which we know they did not. And let's say they picked Hunter at 16 instead of Rosier. And then they sold the rest of the draft selections, which they were rumored to do so before the draft because, obviously, as we know, the math just isn't there for them to have all these players and all these guaranteed contracts and money going to rookies. Let's say that was the scenario. Hunter at 16, and that's it. 
what would the perception of fans be then? That's a serious question because in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, I'm human, I know I'm not always right, I wish I were, but I can fully expect I know I'm not always right, but in my personal opinion, I think worst case scenario, people would be fairly lukewarm, if not slightly upbeat along the lines of, ah, they tried, it wasn't there, so they executed a different, less impactful plan that keeps everything else in play for another day. Am I wrong there? Because I have a hard time believing there'd be this much of an uproar if that situation played out. And tell me how that's any different than what we have here today on the morning of Sunday, June 28th, 2015. The Celtics have a player many were clamoring for, and instead of money, right now they have three other bodies. And remember, not yet under contract. So again, let's wait and see. And once again, if you want to look at it this way, yet I am not one of whom who does. Jordan Mickey possibly has a chance to address another need. So there's my take on that. And of course, it didn't take long to ask us yours as our great staff writer, Eddie Santiago, put out the reached question of the day right at the conclusion of the draft back on Thursday evening. Can be found at reachedapp.com slash CLNS or facebook.com slash Alexbeat. And our reached question of the day is being brought to you by Casper. Casper's mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress using two technologies, latex and memory foam, which come together for brighter days and better nights. It's a comfortable mattress that has just the right sink and bounce. A Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support. You can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns with a 100-day period so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin and $950 for a king-size mattress. And you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics. So, Celtics beat audience, giving you a chance to grade the draft. Just head on over again to reachtapp.com slash CLNS or grab the link. And feel free to contribute to the discussion over on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash Celtics beat. Speaking of activity, draft day activity for that matter, the Facebook group was ablaze all week as expected. And just like how I appreciate and likewise thoroughly enjoy communicating with our audience, be it via email, again, both positive and negative, I equally enjoy the discussion in the Facebook group. And this week we had some great, great chats. I saw a lot of the audience posting in the wee hours of the night. I appreciate the dedication. I love that. Although obviously may not get to all that as I truly value my sleep. I'm sorry. I need eight interrupted hours of sleep every night, which I must thank Dr. Ron and his magnesium supplements for that. But I was wildly entertained with the dialogue about pretty much anything Celtics. I will say this though. If you want to get me ticked off which, listen, you actually have a right to. If, but if you are trying to incite me and that amuses you, by all means, do it. But I like to think there's far more value on our Facebook group than that. But if you want to get me pissed off, make a point or start a discussion with something and then follow it up with, I heard that on talk radio station X. Or even worse, say that it's all over Twitter. Right? We all know how easy it is to spread a hot steaming pile of garbage all over Twitter. And also, if you want to hold the opinions of radio hosts who watch zero to five Celtics games a year as the beacon of basketball intellect, like I said, you'll raise the hair on the back of my neck like no other. But if you want to utilize your constitutional rights and American principles, you can do it that way. 
all means do it so but who knows maybe contributing to that on that and i may have to make that the equivalent of ranting and raving about the armenian genocide in istanbul we don't have any gray vans pulling up in your driveway snatching you in the wee hours of the night out of your bed but the talk has primarily been awesome i love it we all learn a lot from this type of dialogue with our peers that's how we learn in pretty much every aspect of life the socratic method right and it's the most enjoyable way to enhance our knowledge as well because we don't even have to stress for any of these intellectual gains. So yes, very interested to hear what everyone thinks. Just like I cannot wait to pick the brain of Scott Souza, longtime Celtics beat reporter for the Metro West Daily News. Our interview with Scott is brought to you by Dr. Ron's Ultra Pure Nutritionals. Dr. Ron's has a wide variety of supplements that can aid in all aspects of life, including a groundbreaking cartilage supplement, Research at Columbia Medical Center demonstrated that cartilage supplements aid dramatically in recovery, healing wounds, and normalizing the immune system. If you're heading in for surgery and are ruining the healing process, supplement with cartilage pre- and post-surgery, and you'll likely experience some dramatic and beneficial differences. Available only at drrons.com. And to receive a discount, call them at 877-472-8701 and mention Celix. Again, mention Celix at 877-472-8701. Did it get a discount on any order? So, Scott Souza, Metro West Daily News, welcome back on into Celtic Speed. Uh, nice to be back with you. Well, I'm actually going to have to give you the floor. You covered the draft back on Thursday night. I'm, I'm letting it go to you. Very general, bland question, but I think there's no other way to start this off. What'd you think about coming out of Thursday night? Well, it was certainly. Uh... It was certainly underwhelming compared to what the buildup was, and, and you're never quite sure why a lot of these rumors get started on the on the internet that have so much to do with the Celtics. My my always take with it is that a lot of these don't uh, aren't generated from the Celtics as much as they just make a lot of calls and they they're aggressive. And when you know media outlets go looking for stories, other teams will kind of deflect onto the Celtics and say, "Well, we're not really doing anything, but the Celtics are doing this, and and, and the Celtics are interested in this player, and we hear that the Celtics are interested." in moving up in the draft and taking these guys. And we know that they made a lot of calls. And he admitted that, you know, he really tried to get up into the top ten. And there was a lot of uh, talk and understanding that he really tried to get up uh, late to that number nine pick to Charlotte to probably take Justice Winslow. But in the end, Ainge said late Thursday night that the price tag was just too high. They were being asked to, you know, really load up on trading lots of picks and, and, and a few different established players for, for one young player who wasn't even at the top of the draft pick. He was at, at draft board. He was, you know, close to number 10. And, again, presumably that's Justice Winslow, but, you know, there were probably other guys in that mix. Uh, don't know about exactly about their interest in Frank Kaminsky or Miles Turner. Seems like a guy who they've been linked to a couple of different times. But, in the end, they weren't able to get anything done. And Terry Rozier was the guy that they felt that they were, uh, that he was the, the proverbial best player available at number 16, even though uh, it met with a decidedly uh, disappointed response from the fans. Yeah, they, you mentioned Danny Ainge's quotes, and obviously he spoke Friday morning on the radio. He was very blunt about the team trying to move up. If you even recall, during the week, the Celtics used their Twitter handle, for goodness sake. I mentioned the show where they you know, mentioned a Danny Ainge quote about how aggressive the team is going to be. Do you think that they possibly hurt themselves with other teams in negotiations about how obvious they made it seem that they wanted to trade up, and thus probably that's one of the reasons why they could not have got it done, or am I reaching a little bit there? Well, one of the things you do have to look at in this situation is, 
and you can be critical of Danny Ainge talking about moving up and then not being able to do it. Because presumably you're getting all these assets to eventually do something with them. You don't want to be taking four players every year. Uh, I don't think they wanted to take four players on Thursday night. But you also have to look at it in terms of, well, did some of those other teams in the top ten move those picks? And the answer is no. Everybody pretty much stayed where they were. You know, if you had team, if Sacramento traded the sixth pick and you just lost that on that deal, then you can be a little more critical. If Charlotte traded that ninth pick and you just didn't put the right deal forward or didn't, you know, close the deal and they wound up trading it to somebody else, then you could be critical. But if all those teams held on to those picks, how available really were those picks? Now, then you can say, well, you know, what are we doing here? How are we ever going to get these good players if we can't use our assets to trade into the top ten? But the reality was the teams that a lot of people thought might move those picks and that Danny Ainge thought might move those picks uh, wound up falling in love with specific players, whether it be uh, you know Winslow or Stanley Johnson or Frank Kaminsky or Willie Colley-Stein at number six for Sacramento, and uh, they wound up keeping those picks. And at the end, you can't buy something that's not for sale. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned how it could have very well hurt them in negotiations about how forthright the organization is. In this instance, I think it certainly hurt them with fans because it almost got their expectations all you know riled up. And of course, the Celtics did it themselves. We know the media you know, played their part. I refer to you know certain members of the media as ar- arsonists, and of course, that's not just the media too, but there are people you know on Twitter who have access in their mother's basement, wherever they are, who can just get things rolling. But one of the things too that I mentioned that I that I saw was Brian Scalabrini, who had a claim back on Comcast Sportsnet the other night, and Mike Gorman, I believe, said something along the same lines as well on ninety eight five the Sports Hub that general managers are possibly afraid of now trading with Danny Ainge because they don't want to come out on the wrong side of a deal. Do you think there's anything to that, or was that is that another reach? No, I think that's. Uh, I mean, that's that's. that's colorfully positive language, and I, you know, I respect that, uh, you know, Mike Gorman has a high opinion of, of Danny Ainge, and, and Brian Scalabrini, you know, on the, on the team broadcast has a high opinion of Danny Ainge, and, and Danny Ainge has won some of these trades in the past. He clearly won the Brooklyn trade. Um, I don't think Brooklyn would have made that uh, trade, the Devin Garnett, Papier's trade again. Uh, if he gave him 100 different chances right now, it might turn out to be one of the, one of the worst trades he ever made, not, not because they got Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, but because they didn't win anything with them. They weren't even a very good team with them, and they gave up all their draft picks. So Ainge has clearly won some of these trades. I think he's lost some trades in the past. Uh, but I don't think teams were scared of trading with the Boston Celtics. I just don't think that in that situation, you know, you have a team that's in the top ten. They can draft, they, you know, Justice Winslow. They like Frank Kaminsky. You know, a lot of times in the draft process over a period of time, you spend so much time looking at these players, analyzing them, bringing them into workouts, bringing them back for a second workout, that you start to really you, to then turn around and trade that pick for a bunch of other draft picks in the future or guys that you know, you're not as familiar with. Sometimes you, you, you do fall in love with that player, and that was possibly uh, the case. I think it was clearly the case with Celtics. And Terry Rozier, this is a guy that a lot of people pegged as going into the 20s um, in a position where the Celtics were already fairly deep. But they talked to him at the, the, the pre-draft combine. They liked him there. They got him for one draft workout. I guess you guys are there. They brought him back for another one, and he reinforced some of their thoughts in terms of his uh, you know, competitiveness and his tenacity on the court and his speed and athleticism. And maybe in a lot of ways they fell in love with that pick. 
instead of going with you know, whoever would have been the highest rated on the board in general terms, whether that be Wisconsin Sam Decker or Bobby Portis out of uh, Arkansas, they went with the player that they, you know, had a gut uh, affinity for, and, and that's why they brought in Terry Rozier, and we probably saw that with a lot of these other teams that were a little bit further up, whether it be Indiana or Miami or Charlotte or Detroit or any of the teams on the way up to the top ten. Yeah, I actually want to get a little more into further detail with you with the draft choice, but I do have just some more questions you know, on the actual general thought process of what the Celtics were doing. I didn't really mention this in the opening, but I mean, I, because I, I, I still think it's a bit of a reach, you know, on my end, because I, I actually don't feel this way. But is there any concern that the Celtics had, you know, such an obsession with trading up that that was pretty much their main plan? And when they couldn't get something done, they possibly got burnt in a way and caught off guard and, you know, really almost almost didn't even know what to do with their selections. Is that, you know, something that could be feasible at all? I'm not sure about that. I think it had more to do with what I said before. I just think they really like Terry Rozier. And there's other people out there. It's not just, you know, a singular obsession for Brad Stevens, who really, really likes Terry Rozier. And Danny Andrews, who was very high on him after the draft. Of course, what else is he going to say? But... But still, they seem very enthusiastic about him, uh, regardless of the fact that he's another 16 um, combo guard, which they already have several of. Um, I think it's just a matter of, you know, he was there, the, the highest guy they had on the board. They had him higher than they had, uh, you know, Bobby Portis, who's a player that people thought they might take. They had him higher than Sam Becker, who's a player that, uh, you know, a lot of people have linked the Celtics to. You know, they had an affinity for the player, and they wound up. Uh, they wound up taking him at 16 rather than think that he might still be there at 28 because, it, you know, there's a, a lot of teams, a lot of mock drafts or whatever in the closer world had him head going somewhere in the 20s. So, you know, you don't want to take the chance with the player that you had an inkling on, and they've had inklings on players in the past going back to Rajon Rondo, and maybe Bradley was a player that they really liked who was, uh, you know, maybe went a little bit higher than some people thought he was going to. Um, they really like Terry Rozier, and again, there's a lot of, as much as Celtics fans were disappointed because it's a guard and it wasn't a high-profile player, you know, you read a lot of some of these analysis, and some people think that that's going to wind up being, you know, outside of the top 10 or 11 picks, that's going to wind up being one of the gems of the first round. Yeah, I actually you talked about the negativity that has come out from the draft, and I actually think a lot of it is based around the Rozier pick, and I mentioned it in the opening as well. I actually thought the perceptions were ruined by not trading up and the selection of so-called reaching for the you know the Louisville guard. I mean, I even mentioned like, hey, what if they just picked R.J. Hunter at 16, sold the rest of the draft choices, uh, be it 28, 33, and I think 45 was the other one, just came out with R.J. Hunter. I think a lot of people would just say, hey, it wasn't that bad of a you know, draft. They couldn't get something done. It isn't great. It isn't bad. But I think the Rozier pick just left such a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, be it in the media or other portions of the fan base. And I think that's where all this air of negativity is coming around. Am I wrong in that aspect there, Scott? Yeah, I think that's a good point because, uh, again, there was so much anticipation going into the draft that I think you're right. There's a perception the Celtics got stuck with Terry Rozier uh, as opposed to this was a player that they targeted that, you know, if they, if they had been able to move up to number nine, they wouldn't have taken Terry Rozier at number nine. They would have probably taken Justice Winslow at number nine. Um, you know, they went, I don't know whether they would have taken Willie Colley Stein, but, you know, there was some thought that he was going to fall. He didn't fall. He went number six. They never had a shot at Willie Colley Stein. You can't really blame them for, for not being able to get all the way up to a player they never really had a chance to get. Um, 
So uh, I think that's you're right. I think that's where it comes from. People had this idea, and fans had this idea that they wanted to do all these things. They failed at doing the things they really wanted to do, and then they wound up taking a you know throwing a dart at, at a dartboard and coming up with Terry Rozier as opposed to you know coming up with a player that, as I said, they like. They like his um, ability to attack the basket. They, I, in a way, I think they see a new a future era of the NBA, kind of a changing of the guard in the NBA, literally changing of the guard where it's much more guard-oriented. We saw that with Golden State. We saw that a lot with Atlanta. You know, Jeff Teague, the big star for Atlanta this year. You know, I think they see a little bit of Rozier there. And then if you look at the rest of the draft, um, I think you're right there, too, that, you know, R.J. Hunter is a player that, you know, maybe if you had switched Hunter and Rozier and you had taken Hunter at 16 and Rozier at 28, would this have looked a lot better just because, you know, Hunter has a, a viable commodity, long-distance shot that clearly the Celtics need and want, and the people can identify with as being like, okay, at least we got our three-point guy. It would have been better to get Devin Booker. But if he wasn't there, RJ Hunter's the next best available. If you just put those two, I don't think people would have been dancing in the streets because people wanted a top five, top six pick. They wanted, a, a, a you know, maybe an inside guy. Maybe they wanted to trade all the picks for a veteran. But maybe it looks better there. And, and number 33, Jordan Nicky, is – you know, that shot blocker that they were looking for. Now, how much a 6'8 shot blocker from LSU translates to the NBA? He's not exactly, you know, a 7'2 guy, but, you know, Serge Ibaka, I think he's only about 6'9, and he's an outstanding shot blocker. Um, you know, they're high on him being available. So I think if you look at the amount of talent they got, pretty good for the top 33 picks. But it was just anticipation was that so many other things were going to be happening that it just seems like kind of a consolation part at this point. I want you to hold those thoughts there on Hunter and Mick. we got to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back here with Scott Souza here on Seller's Beat on CLNS Radio. Hey, this is Nick Gelso, co-owner and founder of CLNS Radio. Today's podcast is brought to you by lynda.com. lynda.com is the home of expert video tutorials. Because you're such a loyal listener of CLNS Radio, and it's 2015, you want to kick the new year off in style, claim your free trial today from CLNS by going to lynda.com slash CLNS. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash CLNS. This is Larry H. Russell back here again, and let me tell you a little something about me. I'm always reading a book, or three, be it a revolutionary breakthrough on neuroscience such as Daniel Kamen's Thinking Fast and Slow, or even a philosophical masterpiece like Plato's Republic. I'm always doing whatever means to soak up as much knowledge as I can about the world we live in, and we can't do that without literature. But not everyone finds it convenient to carry around all six volumes of the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire with them. But there's a solution. My good friends over at Audible. Audible is a leading provider of audiobooks with over 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. You don't need to be all alone creating that impossible private time with our everyday lives of chaos to do some reading and relaxing. Audiobooks are great to listen to wherever. Be it in the gym, doing chores at work or around the house, driving, riding, shopping, whatever. Audiobooks are the remedy for you. And Celtics Beat and Audible are teaming up to offer you your first audiobook for free. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. (laughs) 
Okay, welcome back on into Celtics Beat. We've got Scott Stuza here of the Metro West Daily News. Scott, you were just talking about R.J. Hunter there. Obviously, that was a player that fans were actually pretty happy they selected. That many people feel it is the steal of the draft. Is he, I mean, am I expecting too much here? I actually personally think that, pending him being on the roster, of course, he's someone who could contribute right away next season, largely because he fills such a glaring need. Am I wrong there? Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent point. I think Brad Stevens wants to, you know, be able to space the floor. And we saw this last year. He wasn't really able to do it with Rajon Rondo on the team. He was able to do it a little bit with Jeff Green on the team, but he freelanced a lot and, and things broke down when the ball got into Jeff Green's hands a lot. Um, but when they went on that run the second half of the year, when they went 24 and 12, this is not a small sample size. People discount the second half run. It wasn't like it was two weeks long. It was half the season, 36 games, they were the second best team in the Eastern Conference. They didn't play off in the playoffs, which you're right, they lost all four games they played. But they were a very good team the second half of last season. They were playing a system where a lot of guys were taking three-pointers and had to take three-pointers. Jay Crowder was taking three-pointers. Evan Turner was taking three-pointers. Obviously, Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley taking a lot of three-pointers. In that system with Brad Stevens, you're going to be taking a lot of three-pointers and you want guys to be able to knock them down. And R.J. Hunter, outside of Devin Booker, you know, most people consider him the best career shooter in the draft. And again... It may have been a reach 16, but the guys who got at 28 and 33 were guys that maybe you don't think you were in the mix at 16, but if you had been picking 2021, 20, I think you would have been happy with both those guys. And it's interesting, too, that I've noticed about shooters coming in the draft. A lot of them are picked late in the draft. Steve Kerr, I believe, was a late selection, if he was even drafted at all. Uh, remember Kyle Korver coming into the NBA. I was a huge fan of his coming out of Creighton. He was a second-round draft choice. I think, like, I mean, the worst career that I can think of these you know, just shooting specializers, if I want to use that. I don't even think that's a word. But they all seem to work out in some aspect or another. And that's why I feel like I think R.J. Hunter was such a safe pick at 28. And I actually do expect contributions from him, largely because I'm using historical examples as reason why. Yeah, and the reason why some of those guys don't go higher, and, and Steph Curry may change that because Steph Curry is such a good shooter. He's supposed to number seven because he was a, he's a point guard who shot. He wasn't incredibly explosive point guard. There were some questions about his defensive ability coming out of Davidson. Wasn't a huge school, kind of like R.J. Hunter with uh, Georgia State. Um, but, you know, you, you always want that foul tool all-star type player. to use a baseball term. You want the guy who can attack the basket, rebound, who can score, who can, another kind of buzzword for the NBA for years was a guy who can create his own shot. And that was kind of a thought of how college shooting specialists then it was translated to the NBA because they can't create their own shot as much. They, they catch and shoot guys. Well, that comes back a little bit more towards the kind of the isolation basketball of a few years ago where, you know, you get the ball guarded one-on-one and you had to create space for yourself. You don't see that as much in the NBA. The NBA is pick and roll. The NBA is pick and pop. The NBA is, is especially when you look at teams like Atlanta and Golden State and the Boston Celtics under Brad Stevens, it's ball movement to get to an open spot of the floor. It's stretching the floor. And guys who you need three-point shooters, everybody wants three-point shooters, and guys who can catch and get their shot up quickly, uh, that don't need a huge wind-up for a shot, but have a quick release, and, and Hunter does. Um, and then can also, you know, if there is a closeout, can maybe put them on the floor a little bit and get to the basket pass, which Hunter can also do. Uh, those guys are much more valuable. I just think in years past, it was thought, well, shooting is kind of one skill, that you know, you want a really well-rounded player. If you're picking top ten, top twelve, you want size, um, 
and I think there's a little bit less emphasis on size now. And, and maybe you can always pick up some guy who's going to sit in the corner and shoot threes. Well, now everybody sits in the corner and shoot threes, and you need guys who do it really well, especially if you're going to play like the Celtics. And Hunter has been a guy who did not have great percentages last year, but you saw you know, what he did in the tournament beating Baylor. And you obviously see from watching him uh, the range that he has, that uh, he could be one of those guys who you know, has a long career in the, in, in the NBA and can hit some big shots for it. Yeah, just as long as, too, they play a little defense. That's all that really matters, and they can pretty much see the floor for how as long as they want and on almost any team in the NBA. Briefly, just to sort of wrap the sort of draft discussion up in one way, I mean, Jordan Mickey and also Marcus Thornton, is, I mean, is there a good chance that either of those guys probably won't even be by, on the team by training camp or even coming out of the team at training camp as they were just second-round draft choices and their contracts aren't guaranteed? I'm not sure about Marcus Thornton. I think Jordan Mickey will be here. I mean, Danny Ames last night called him our most athletic front court player right now. So that's so he's stepping into those shoes. It's not saying a ton considering the rest of the front court is Jared Sullinger and Kelly Olenek and, and Tyler Zeller, who have other skills, but they're not exactly considered, um, you know, uh, five star athletes. But, you know, he, he did lead the uh, Division One in block shot last year, 3.64. Um, he's a guy who can be a very versatile defensive player. He's very, you know, these are kind of draft buzzwords, but he's very long. He has a wingspan, uh, so he can recover. He has a great first step. I'm not sure why he's available in that early second round. And, uh, you know, I think he, he's not necessarily going to be a star, but he's a, a player who is, I think, could come in in a small ball lineup, maybe even play some five, but certainly play some four and, and play some active defense. And that's something that, uh, know they need they need an, an active defensive player out there who can kind of get out on the perimeter on a switch and and make some plays with a black shot and, and start some breaks it's kind of interesting where he got picked um in terms of that early second round pick and that is that's been a position that has turned out players over the years draymond green was in that range for golden state jay crowder a player of the suffix are, are almost assuredly going to resign as a restricted free agent uh was in that early second round um, area there, um, and then you go back even a few years, not a player the Celtics took, but a player that Jordan Mickey could wind up uh, replacing here in Boston, you know, Brandon Bass was that early second-round pick. Uh, those guys have been shown to be able to be uh, contributors in the NBA, and it, and it actually can be a bit of a sweet spot because you have a little more contract flexibility with them uh, in picking them early in the second round as opposed to being stuck with that guaranteed contract for somebody like R.J. Hunter who you pick at the end of the first round. Not sure about Marcus Thornton. Um, you know, obviously they, they like him a bit or they wouldn't have drafted him, but um, you know, adding yet another guy to that mix when he already took two earlier in the draft, you know, maybe they can you know find a situation where they can designate him to Maine or maybe play him overseas. I'm not sure exactly what he's going to want to do. He did come into a draft workhouse. He must have impressed them a little bit. But it could be a stretch to, to keep all four of them. But I'm pretty sure they're going to keep uh, – unless there's some type of a trade in the next few weeks, they're going to keep uh, all three of the top 33 picks. Yeah, and if you want to mention about early second-rounders, you can throw the Wayback Machine, go about 15 years back. Gilbert Arenas was another early second-round draft choice, if my memory serves me correctly. And you mentioned, obviously, the four players, and obviously two in the second round. How long do you expect some of these draftees here to go unsigned? Because that will obviously offer Ainge a little flexibility to move these guys, possibly over the summer, if it comes down to that. Yeah, I mean, the first-round picks usually sign pretty quickly. Um, you know, the second-round picks can take a little bit longer. A lot of times with those, they'll, they'll play in the summer league, even though they're not re-signed. The Celtics have a couple of summer leagues coming up. They've got Utah, followed by Las Vegas, so they've got two summer leagues back-to-back, and they're going to want all these guys in there. 
want to give you some flexibility. But the thing is, with they, you know, once the second round picks down, they sign, they send very team friendly contracts. They send these contracts without, you know, 400 feet. That's Len Davis, by the way, another example of an early second round pick right in that range from LSU that uh, uh, contributed. Uh, it still contributes in the NBA and contributes to the Celtics for last. Maybe it's just an LSU thing for those guys to go at the top of the second round. But, um, you know, those contracts, are, they have ice in them. I mean, you see a guy like Phil Pressey who signs a contract, and, and there are, you know, you get deadlines to spread out all the time, June 1st, December 1st, where the Celtics can kind of get out of that contract. And they've, they've kept bringing them back. I don't know whether he's going to be on the team next year with all the guys they, they trade for. But once you sign them, you know, they become – you know, they become salary cap pieces, too, where you can move them as well. I, I don't know if you can move them. I think there might be a moratorium in terms of uh, once you sign them, you can't trade them for six months. Yeah, it expires in December. Any, yeah, I don't think there's any huge drawback in, in bringing them in. And the Celtics, you know, if they're looking to trade, you know, again, if those guys had incredible value, they would not have gone in the second round. So it's not like there's going to be a huge demand of demand that's built up for Marcus Thornton, which would Nicky over the next couple of weeks. They have to show something first. I guess they exploded in summer league, perhaps. But, you know, they have, if they want to make trades, they've got plenty of pieces to make trades. They've got contracts they can trade. They have draft, they have trade exceptions they can trade. They have, you know, that, that um, I don't want to say fake contract, but that dubious contract that Chris Dobb signed at the end of the year for $900,000 of money he'll never see. You know, that's, that's uh, a non-guaranteed money. You know, they can throw that in. So if they have to match salaries in a salary cap situation or, or put somebody into somebody else's salary cap situation, uh, they can do that with relative ease. I think that's sort of a good way to transition to some off-season discussion because before we get you out of here, I think we obviously have to talk about now. The coming two to three weeks is going to be obviously fairly hectic no matter what. Of course, obviously fairly hectic for you as you're on the Celtics beat. Once again, I started off this conversation with a bland, open-ended question. I'm going to start off this portion of the discussion with a pretty bland, open-ended discussion. We know the Celtics are going to be pretty aggressive here in free agency. In your mind, would you care to rank their top free agents' priorities, say, one to three to five? Um, In terms of free agents, you've got to know exactly who's going to be available. There's some question of whether DeAndre Jordan's going to be available. I think he's a guy that they could really look at in terms of filling that need up front. you would think that the Clippers would want him back, but there was some talk that he wasn't getting along very well with Chris Paul and that he might be out there. I think the Marcus Aldridge is a bit of a tight room. It seems like he's if he's not going to go back to Portland. He may consider Boston, but chances are he's going to want to, you know, there seems to be a big feeling that it's going to be Los Angeles or the Spurs for him. I think they're going to take another run at Kevin Love. I don't know whether, you know, Kevin Love is ultimately going to go back to Cleveland, but if, if he feels that Cleveland doesn't want him, as much as maybe he wants to go back there and give it a shot. Maybe they don't want him. Maybe, you know, LeBron James gets in the year of management and says, you know, he's not he's not what we thought he was, and we're better off, you know, just finding big shooters and going with Tristan Thompson up front, and they're going to have to pay Tristan Thompson. You know, I think he, Kevin Love is a player that they're going to go strong at, and Greg Monroe is another guy who I think is going to see them uh, go after because he's a, a player that things did not work out well there in Detroit. Just really looking at other directions. You know, you have Marcus Saul, but there's a feeling that Marcus Saul will ultimately go back to Memphis. Um, I would say in terms of guys out there, in terms of the front court, which Damian said last night will be a focus of free agency because they did draft so many guys, uh, you could be looking at Monroe and Jordan if he's available as, uh, as targets for the Celtics. Yeah, I like to think that Monroe is becoming more and more of a possibility here. We had Gary Wolf on last week, and he basically said outright it's going to be New York or Boston. News came out earlier this week 
from Jared Zwirling at Bleacher Report, who basically says that he expects that David West is going to New York. If that happens, wouldn't that you know use process of elimination? Turn Greg Mudd, who is represented by David Falk. We know Danny Ainge and David Falk have a very good relationship. I think there's a lot to it there, but at the same time, I could see maybe the Celtics being a little more aggressive, possibly for you know Kevin Love, of course. And but if that avenue doesn't work out. Maybe then they probably do reach, you know, go to Greg Monroe. And I'd like to think there's a good possibility there with him. Yeah, I mean, he's a talented offensive player. The question with him, I guess, is kind of, you know, for the amount of money that you're going to pay him, how much is he really an upgrade over Jared Sollinger? Um, You know, Greg Monroe had a good year last year. He averaged 15 and 10, which sounds good. um, But he's not an above-the-rib player. And Jared Sollinger, before he got hurt, was having a year that some people would have considered not living up to expectation, and he was 14-9. and nine. So the stats there were actually fairly close, and, and Jared Sollinger is a guy who you have at much cheaper dollars and, and you're familiar with. So, again, Greg Monroe, I think, would be a nice addition to this team. He's obviously a talented inside offensive player, but he's not a shot blocker, and he's a player who's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah, but obviously I thought a very key phrase you mentioned regarding Jared Sollinger was before he got hurt, Greg Monroe, since he's been in the league, has played you know pretty much 80 games every single year. I actually think Monroe would be, I mean, a decent upgrade over Sollinger if for no other reason you're, you could pretty much count on him for 80 games. And yes, he certainly has a deficiency defensive, you know, defensively, but I think that's probably where maybe the Celtics do open up some possibilities for a trade. I don't know how you know realistic Nerlens Noel is. It sounds like Roy Hibbert's on the block as well. But I just think almost, too, that they have to spend money this year. I mean, I think they can shoot for these guys like Kevin Love. But if Greg Monroe's out there at a max price, I just don't see how you just don't sign up for that you know, straight away. Yeah, and that's also in, again, you look, unless the guy's a total bust, you can also move him later. I mean, the one, the one thing you have to be a little bit careful of is, the Detroit Pistons scenario uh, from a few years ago where they put themselves in position to have the salary cap room and then nobody wanted to go there. So they wound up signing Ben Gordon, wound up signing Charlie Zillin away, but they wound up overpaying average players uh, with huge, huge contracts. And then suddenly they were out of salary cap room and uh, they weren't any better than they were before. So, you know, you do, you do have the money. Uh, you have created expectations that eventually you will spend it, that you will trade some of these assets for somebody, and maybe they, you know, they trade instead of signing a free agent. And I don't know who this player would be, but you know, they trade assets to bring in a player who's already some may view as being overpaid, but he's a player that for whatever reason isn't working out for one of these teams, almost a la the, the Ray Allen situation from 2007, where it's just a guy, you know, that team. Ray Allen was still a highly productive player who still, you know, when he came here, you saw how much he still had left in the tank, but he was just a player that. Seattle slash Oklahoma City was looking to move on in a different direction at the time. They didn't want to pay. They want to be hamstrung with twenty million dollars in Ray Allen, so he was available for that situation. And I think that that's where the Celtics have wanted, and Danny Ainge has wanted to put himself in position to pounce when that situation is available. Now those don't come along very often. The James Harden situation doesn't come along very often. The Kevin Love situation doesn't come along very often. But Danny Ainge wants to always be in that conversation if a guy like one of those guys or even a DeMarcus Cousins, you know, if that guy becomes available, he wants to have the assets and the financial flexibility to be able to to make a pitch for that guy. Yeah, and one thing I think that we've also noticed here to wrap this up is now recently a lot of teams, they actually want 
players who are proven in some aspect. And you mentioned that, you know, signing Monroe would give you flexibility two, three years from now. You could possibly trade Monroe to, you know, get maybe that next James Harden or Kevin Love type of trade. We've seen in recently, in recent years, or in recent months for that matter, at least from what that's been reported out there, is that you just can't dump all the draft choices on a team and say, hey, yeah, that's good enough. You know, give us your star. A lot of these teams, they actually want a proven player. So, in a way, I would hope that Monroe would be that guy. But, Scott, great chat. Great to get you out of here on that. Scott Souza, Metro West Daily News. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Souza. Scott, thanks so much for stopping by. Alex Pete once again. Thanks a lot for having me on. Look forward to doing it again soon. We will, we will. All right, we'll be back with a brief road to wrap up around the NBA in five. Hi, this is Jeff Kane, host of Patriots Beat Podcast, the number one podcast on the web covering your Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Like all of Sealance Radio's great podcasts, it is available for download on SealanceRadio.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. Thank you for your continued listenership of Sealance Radio's programming. To find out how you can continue to support CLNS, log on to www.patreon.com slash clnsradio. That's patreon.com slash clnsradio. And now back to Celtics Beat. Around the NBA in 5 is brought to you by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. A consumer should know where their food comes from and the standards that should be adhered to. American Farmers Network's meats are produced by the network of small family farmers who are committed to the most natural and compassionate approach to ranching. Their production standards go above and beyond even USDA regulations, and all of their certified organic beef is 100% grass-fed. From poultry to pork and, of course, beef, AFN's family ranchers are committed to providing you and your family with the healthiest, most nutritious meat so you can live the healthy lifestyle in which you have a right to. What are you waiting for? Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com and eat and live healthy today. We'll get to the draft, but let's start with a report coming out from Jared Zwirling, former guest on Celtics Beat. That's David West, quote, very likely, unquote, to sign with the New York Knicks. Okay, does this now open the door for Greg Monroe to wind up in Boston? You heard our friend Gary Wolfall on last week's show mention how Monroe is either going to Boston or New York. Can't see room on the Knicks if West is there, so would I be getting ahead of myself if I use process of elimination here and start to get excited over what I have felt is one of my personal favorite scenarios and has been for the past few months. As a fan, I've wanted Monroe in Boston for some time. I have a tremendous amount of respect for his game and the career he's had, and I believe he would be a very good fit here, both in the present and long term, obviously offering the Celtics that flexibility, which we talk about ad nauseum on this show. Don't have to discuss this any further, considering how much I've made it clear how I'd want Monroe in Boston. Can check out some past shows in our archives on iTunes and Stitcher. But either way, it certainly makes pursuing him that much easier, providing that's what the Celtics are going to do. So, this latest news from our friend Mr. Zwirling is definitely a good thing in that aspect because it obviously gives the Celtics much a far greater opportunity to pursue that avenue if they need to. Okay, let's talk a little draft in the NBA sense from one Celtics rival on the East Coast. Out to the West Coast, the Lakers, kind of with the surprise of the night. Well, it wasn't a surprise when it actually went down. But in the lead-up to it, I found it a little shocking. Passed up on Duke big man Jahil Okafor and went with Ohio State guard D'Angelo Russell instead 
thought process was that these big men aren't as valuable anymore due to the new NBA and that also many believe that Lakers have something up their sleeve in free agency. Not sure I buy that thought process. Look, I think there's a new trend in the NBA. However, keyword trend. I know small ball has been very effective recently, and that's sort of the lasting memory of the 2015 NBA season here. The Warriors going small in games four to six of the NBA finals, but let's also be real with ourselves as well. The dominant center just hasn't really been there either. That's been the issue. The talent is not there. We have not had a Shaq come out into the NBA in eons or back in the 80s when it was one after the other with Lajuan, Ewing, Robinson, Mourning, not saying Okafor is one of those guys, but I would also not rule it out that he could be either. And we've seen throughout history, dominant big men can alter the courses of franchises. So I think that should be a gamble Lakers should have taken, particularly with their history. If Okafor can be that guy, and like I said, I think that's a risk you should be willing to take. Obviously, seeing if some a center could work out to be that kind of center. If he could be that guy, your 50 wins right there. Done. And then you can easily fill out the rest of your team through that and obviously build upon that and become that 60-plus win championship contender. But hey, as mentioned, maybe they have something in the bag already and they're just filling out the roster as need be. Roy Hibbert exercises his player option. $15.5 million for next season. Will be a free agent in the summer of 2016. Interesting move on his part as we were just discussing about the value that these big centers have nowadays. You'd think that normally a guy like Hibbert does have one more long-term deal in him and it could be a little risky jumping on this money now effectively signing a one-year deal but hey it could be because he thinks he could increase his value as it will likely be with another team as Zach Lowe Grantland has reported Indiana will try and trade him and move him away from that style maybe thinks he can rebound a bit get back to that 2012-13 form make a you know scoring for the opposition around the M that much tougher and get a bigger contract in the summer of 16 as the salary cap increases hard to say if it's a risky move on his end but an interesting one nonetheless and it'll be also be interesting to see what Indiana will and could get for him in a trade to me I don't think it'll be much I see nothing more than an expiring contract and a draft pick thrown in there we talked about shifting to small ball Hibbert really hasn't been that guy now since, you know, he started having issues for the Pacers about three-quarters of the way through that 2013 season. He hit a wall. He had problems with Lance Stevenson, whatever it was. I will say this, though. From a Celtic standpoint, you obviously explore as many options as you can. But let's say if it's August 1st, I w wouldn't rule out giving Larry Bird a buzz, offering up some silly package, maybe Gerald Wallace and a first-round draft choice, and see if they bite. Obviously, you'd like to see if there are other options out there. I don't think that'd be option A, B, C, or even D. But, hey... Like I said, you could you know just try it out, cut him loose after a year. I think it's a gamble that you know, worth taking. Lastly, Ty Lawson, could he be going to the Kings? Sort of mocked the media with a video where he announced over the internet that he is going to Sacramento. Said so in jest. Well, not at the Kings. Can you believe this? We don't have time to get to this because I'd love to talk about it. But he ain't going to the Kings if they fire George Carl. First off, Sacramento, what a terrible organization. This is getting to be the Oakland Raiders-esque, the way they're shuffling through coaches and management. No clear direction whatsoever. You want to bitch about an organization with no direction. That's an organization with no direction. And if they bump Carl out, it's because it's a power struggle for DeMarcus Cousins. But all I know is I'd be petrified about going to Sacramento. That's a cow town if there ever was one. Funny how those who rip on Boston as a destination, Sacramento is America, Siberia. And in terms of an organization right now, no franchise that is mismanaged more than that. Owner is in way over his head. Looks like he's got an uncontrollable ego. Guys in management, now Vlade Divac in and out. 
whatever, the coaching spot, that's a joke. Contract the Kings, a new movement, have a dispersal draft, but that organization has no clue, none whatsoever. And that's it for Around the NBA in 5, again, sponsored by American Farmers Network. I have scoured the earth for years on end for all the healthiest foods we can eat. I know most of you know where to find me every Thursday afternoon. Coolidge Corner, Farmers Market, love the summer. Do all my grocery shopping at the Brookline Farmers Market. Get my butter, my eggs, my lettuce, olive oil, all in Brookline, some veggies for our carb up. I do not step foot in a grocery store for months. And, of course, the most delicious steak I've ever had from strips to ribeyes to fillets anywhere. That is shipped right to my door from small family farms who take great care in raising their animals through AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Cannot say enough about them. I'd endorse them as much as I could. Until the show ends, which is right now, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, Hyde209, Ostravex, and Steph Legrateau. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat, and you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. Love to thank our guests, Scott Souza, as well as our sponsors, Linda, Audible, Casper, Dr. Rons, and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, heard exclusively on CLNS Radio.